Hello and welcome. This is Melissa Giles, Portfolio Manager with Americana Partners. Welcome to another episode of our podcast. I'll be reviewing the January market commentary provided by David M. Darst, Chief Investment Officer with Americana Partners. If you'd like a full copy of the report, please visit our website at www.americanapartners.com and request to join our distribution list. The first section I will be covering is called Where We Are. Please note that any charts or graphics referenced are available by request through our website. Let's begin. Following record high year-end 2020 closing levels for the S&P 500 index, 3,756.07, representing a positive 16.3% price gain for the year after a price rise of positive 28.9% in 2019 and the Dow Jones Industrial Average, 30,606.48, representing a positive 7.2% price gain for the year after a price rise of positive 22.3% in 2019. U.S. equity prices have begun 2021 on a mixed up and down note with reflections, reactions, and concerns about 1. The implications of the Democratic wins in both Georgia Senate runoff elections and the tumultuous events in the nation's capital on January 6th. 2. The likely trajectory of the resurgent coronavirus wave. 3. Expectations of additional public health-driven economic restrictions and or lockdowns. And not to be overlooked, 4. The length and shape of financial markets, consolidation, and digestion phase following such an annus mirabilis as investors have experienced over the past 12 months. In the fixed income realm, U.S. Treasury yields ended 2020 at 0.13% for two-year maturities. They yielded 1.58% on January 2nd, 2020, 0.93% for 10-year maturities. They yielded 1.88% on January 2nd, 2020, and 1.65% for 30-year maturities. They yielded 2.33% on January 2nd, 2020, reflecting the likelihood, but not the certainty, of reduced legislative gridlock leading to more government spending, increased Treasury securities issuance, and perhaps an uptick in economic growth. At the close of trading on January 6th, two-year maturities were yielding 0.14%, 10-year maturities were yielding 1.04%, 30-year maturities were yielding 1.81%. We have maintained an essentially constructive view of equity prices based upon the following factors. 1. Continuing monetary stimulus from the Federal Reserve, with ultra-low policy interest rates and $120 billion per month, $80 billion in U.S. Treasury securities, and $40 billion in mortgage-backed securities, in quantitative easing, money printing, augmented by significant M2 money supply growth. The broad M2 money supply measure includes cash, checking deposits, savings deposits, and money market securities, which tends to produce a stimulative environment for consumer prices, GDP, and financial assets. As shown in the chart in the original commentary, over the past year, the U.S. M2 money supply has increased at positive 25.2%, the highest rate of growth in four decades, from $15.33 trillion at the end of 2019 to $19.2 trillion on December 21st. Two, likely further fiscal stimulus in the form of infrastructure spending and possibly more pandemic relief payments. Three, the advent and rollout of vaccines. Even though several notable cases of hitches and delays have been experienced thus far. Four, 
no second round of recession, with households' high savings rates and cash balances creating pent-up consumer demand, a robust housing sector with the October Case-Shiller 20-City Composite Home Price Index positive 7.95% year-over-year, and the December ISM Manufacturing Index reading the quickest rate of increase in two years, an expansionary 60.7 versus an already robust 57.5 in November, as stated in the Wall Street Journal, and five, a divided government, less likely to introduce meaningful tax legislation and regulations that would be harmful to corporate profits. This last constructive factor is now likely to be somewhat diminished or possibly eliminated with the other four factors remaining in place at this point, leading us to maintain that although valuations are quite elevated and investor optimism is excessive, equity prices were well aware and already somewhat discounting the possibility of the Georgia senatorial runoff elections outcome tilting Democratic and, after a possible short-term pullback correction, can move higher with extra caution and care called for, perhaps even with some cash raised or husbanded that can be ready to be invested on a disciplined basis during market retrenchment. In our view, two principal risks to our sanguine constructive market outlook include, one, a negative psychological bolt from the blue. In the parlance of a renowned investment strategist, Barton Michael Biggs, 1932-2012, to that suddenly vitiates or deflates the currently high levels of investor bullishness and optimism, the growing levels of speculative activity, and in some quarters of the market, increasing euphoria, involving high volumes of options trading, initial public offerings, cryptocurrency enthusiasm, and special purpose acquisition companies, or SPACs, and two, owing to the persistent 2020 U.S. dollar weakness and higher costs of labor and many raw materials, surprisingly, higher levels of inflation could force interest rates meaningfully upward and cause price earnings multiples to shrink, especially for very highly valued enterprises in the technology sector. Now let's discuss the implications of the Georgia senatorial elections. In our opinion, assuming no defections from party affiliations, a Democrat-controlled Senate appears likely to produce, one, higher taxes. Tax increases may not necessarily materialize to the degree that markets may have feared earlier, given that the Senate is likely to feature essentially a 50-50 Democratic-Republican tie, with Vice President-elect Kamala Harris in a position to cast a tie-breaking vote in favor of the Democrats and with Senator Joseph Manchin III and or others possibly voting to weaken or reject the tax increases. With some delays and or dilutions, higher corporate, payroll, income, capital gains, and estate taxes may eventually be on the horizon for many taxpayers, according to the New York Times. The proposed levies in the Democratic platform amount to $4 trillion, with something in the neighborhood of half that amount deemed likely to be passed. The essential tie in political power in Congress may limit the extent of any changes in tax policy, and an important consideration to be kept in mind is the effective date of any tax increases, including the possible likelihood of retroactivity to January 1, 2021. 2. More spending. As reported in the Washington Post, with proposed spending increases amounting to $7 trillion stretched out over a decade, the new administration favors entitlement expansion, healthcare, climate, and green infrastructure initiatives to accelerate the use of clean energy in the power sector, building construction and transit, hiking the minimum hourly wage to $15, which could support household incomes and augment growth in consumption, housing, education, and infrastructure, 
President-elect Biden has several times expressed support for drug price reforms. Three, increased regulation. Through job appointments, executive action, and legislation where feasible, the Biden administration may favor increased restraints on the financial sector and some portions of the healthcare sector, with continued antitrust and market-dominant scrutiny applied toward mega-cap technology and social media companies. Statements by President-elect Biden have indicated that his administration might limit pipeline approvals and curtail drilling activity on federal lands. 4. Spotlight on relations with the judiciary. Although we deem such action unlikely, President-elect Biden may possibly favor certain proposals from within his party to attempt to curtail the Supreme Court's authority over specific laws by attempting to 1. Impose term limits. 2. Expand the size of the court or 3. Through legislative action, divest the court of its authority over contentious social issues, referred to in academic circles as jurisdiction stripping. Any proposed limitation of the Supreme Court's own powers will very likely spark intense and determined pushback via lawsuits by the Supreme Court as well as by battling parties on either side of the issues involved. Now let's discuss blue wave affected sectors. Democratic control of the White House, the House of Representatives, and even by the narrowest of margins, the Senate, a so-called blue wave, could be deemed favorable to large managed care organizations, renewable energy firms, and the ESG sector, companies reflecting and or supporting environmental, social, and governance initiatives and ideals. Other perceived sectoral beneficiaries of a blue wave include, among others, the U.S. dollar exchange rate versus foreign currencies, tax-exempt state and local government municipal bonds, high-yield bonds, small-cap stocks, construction and engineering, manufacturing, materials, industrial machinery, and related firms focusing on the U.S. transportation, maritime, and aviation infrastructure, renewable energy including wind farms, solar projects, and high-voltage direct current transmission facilities, healthcare equipment and supplies, and cannabis-related companies. Sectors perceived to be less favorably affected by a slim margin blue wave include large firms that benefited from the 2017 corporate tax cuts, large-cap pharmaceutical stocks, content liability-protected social network companies currently shielded by Section 230 of the 1996 Communications Decency Act, dominant technology antitrust targets, the oil and gas sector, tobacco companies, aerospace and defense firms, health insurance companies, student loan servicing companies, asset managers, credit rating firms, and stock exchange operators, precious metals and precious metals mining shares, and labor-intensive enterprises sensitive to minimum wage increases. For example, retail and grocery companies, restaurant and fast food chains, for-hire ride-sharing companies, and courier package delivery firms. Now let's discuss portfolio positioning for 2021 and beyond. 1. Strategies and Tactics In the current post-election environment and throughout its expected evolution in the early years of the new presidential and congressional term, we maintain that careful thought, planning, and attention needs to be devoted to the investor's most appropriate forms and vehicles for implementing the fundamental elements of asset allocation and investment strategy. 1. Diversification, which means having sustainably low and negatively correlated investment exposures that truly counterbalance price movements in other assets, particularly during times of great financial stress and or market volatility. 
Two, rebalancing, which encompasses using concepts of reversion to the mean to trim exposures to assets that have grown to represent too large a portion of the overall portfolio, while at the same time adding exposure to high-quality assets that have fallen out of investor favor and suffered significant, though likely not permanent, price declines. Three, risk management, which involves recognizing when markets become consumed by momentum plays and information overload, a situation that pertains to numerous companies in the technology space and understanding the degree of liquidity, the true pricing realism, and the various roles of short-term liquid securities, real assets, financial assets, and alternative assets in decade-long or longer regimes of inflation, stagflation, deflation, monetary disruptions, and currency resets. 4. Reinvestment which encompasses knowing when to emphasize and trade off income versus capital growth, all the while keeping in mind the critical importance of discipline, patience, and longevity in capturing and compounding dividend, coupon, and other income flows. 5. Asset Protection and Husbandry, which, especially given the likely January 5th Georgia senatorial elections outcome, address considerations of taxation at the state, local, federal, and possibly international level. Estate planning, relevant insurance design and structuring, cybersecurity shielding, portfolio monitoring and reporting, administrative costs, forms and means of access and custody. Two, intermediate term themes to consider. We continue to counsel a considered and considerable exposure to equities with judicious shifts between styles, sectors, geographies, and where appropriate from a cost, timing, liquidity, and size standpoint, public versus private markets. Expressed below are a number of themes that we believe should be taken into consideration over the next few years in selecting asset categories, asset classes, sectors, companies, and security types. 1. Paying attention to the value of money. Taking advantage of, rather than being taken advantage of by, the likelihood of money printing, internal and external currency debasement, government debt monetization, and the modern monetary theory likely to continue being pursued by the authorities within shifting money and credit cycles to service America's massive, explicit government and corporate indebtedness and the enormous implicit obligations of pension and healthcare promises. Two, concentrating on all weather sectors and companies, seeking investments with balance and flexibility that are able to thrive regardless of the now apparently blue wave unified Congress, evolving social priorities and values, wealth distribution initiatives, public health conditions, and political trends. 3. Distinguishing between temporary and permanent change, focusing on the commercial and financial implications of new social and political power structures, alliances, and geopolitical relationships, new energy sources and resources, new trade patterns, new on- and offshoring channels, work-from-home and work-from-anywhere employment modalities, and new business models, pathways, digitalizations, and forms of person-to-person and business-to-business work, leisure, learning, and wellness. 4. Taking advantage of demographic tailwinds. Through U.S. and select non-U.S. companies, gaining exposure to and meeting the rising needs, aspirations, and spending power of the rapidly expanding global middle class, especially in Asia. 5. Comprehending and verifying past success. Emphasizing companies and sectors that have demonstrated successful track records and past experience in capital allocation, balance sheet strength, risk management, 
sustainably defendable business models and the ability to generate and sustain high multi-year returns on equity derived from revenue growth and favorable margin preservation rather than through excessive leverage, meaningfully above the company's and sector's weighted average cost of capital, and six, identifying innovative and disruptive technology hegemons, focusing on technology enablers, disruptors, and dominators in biotechnology, public health, artificial intelligence, data analytics, machine learning, 5G cellular network technology, the Internet of Things, robotics, quantum computing, battery inventions, alternative energy, electric vehicles, and cybersecurity. While paying heed to the environmental, social, and governance ESG characteristics of companies in these fields. Three, keeping things in perspective. Many of the overarching themes and conditions that influence our intermediate and long-term asset allocation and investment strategy emphasize the need to recognize that the concepts and implementation methods intended to achieve safety, balance, diversification, and liquidity are likely to face evolving taxation regimes, social priorities, geopolitical power relationships, price level changes, demographic trends, indebtedness levels, technological pervasiveness, and not least, the definition, role, degree of physicality, embodiment, and value of money itself. Four, flexibility versus conviction in formulating investment thinking. In seeking to determine when to adhere to and when to lean against prevailing consensus views, sometimes pejoratively referred to as groupthink, it is important to critically question the soundness and durability of the reasoning and assumptions underlying a given investment framework and positioning at any point in time. While it may not make sense to hold out of consensus views just for the sake of doing so, often expressed as, don't fight the tape, at other times, especially at major cyclical or secular turning points, at a major asset top, when reality is finally found to fall short of overly optimistic expectations or a major asset bottom when reality is shown to be worth considerably more than the prevailing overly pessimistic expectations, the rewards of implementing a contrarian stance can be extremely meaningful. Some observations on the post-election environment and conditions expected in the quarters and years ahead are set forth in the sections that follow. 5. Enhancing and Preserving While we confess to an increasing feeling of unease over the spreading investor exuberance and the growing popularity of stocks and sectors considered to benefit from economic recovery as vaccines are rolled out to contain and even halt the pandemic. Our short-term inclination at this point in time is to take note of the Federal Reserve's ongoing support of financial asset prices while taking advantage of such strength to continue upgrading portfolio holdings offloading lower-quality, higher-risk assets and, with timing and price discipline, adding to attractively priced, higher-quality assets on equity market pullbacks. 6. Equity Emphasis and De-Emphasis Particularly in the current conditions of very low U.S. Treasury interest rates and, given the likely focus areas of post-election government spending initiatives, to us it appears likely that cash-generating, financially stable companies with robust growth prospects which are able to operate and thrive in the digital sphere as they continue to enhance their business models, deserve to retain a valuation premium. Within equities, one, we recommend continuing to gradually shift some emphasis from growth sectors, companies, and managers towards 
the incremental inclusion of select value, sectors, companies, and managers. Two, we continue to counsel modestly adding small and mid-cap companies or investment managers specializing in and with good track records in this space to our primary yet lessening emphasis on large capitalization enterprises and three, for the time being, while we continue to prefer a tactical overweighting to U.S. domestic equities, we also espouse building somewhat higher allocations to our underweight positions in the international stocks, such as Japan and emerging market equities. Seven, focus on strength and quality. Our long-term equity portfolio weightings continue to emphasize asset managers, sectors, and specific companies that can benefit from the major sustained trends of the 2020 decade, including 1. Incremental growth in a wide range of economic circumstances. 2. A focus on economic repair, digitalization, e-commerce, personal wellness, safety, domesticity, home improvement, infrastructure spending, and where possible, the release of pent-up consumer demand, and three, advantageous capture of benefits from onshoring, supply chain redesign, and deglobalization as important drivers of capital spending and disruptive innovation. At the company level in equities, we emphasize identifying and building long-term exposure to firms possessing fortress-like cash-rich balance sheets, limited debt, positive free cash flow generation, dividend strength, and competitive business models that, over a long time frame, can generate high returns on equity, through revenue growth and enduring profit margins rather than through excessive levels of leverage. 8. Balancing Growth and Value Sectors Through Thursday, December 31st, the iShares Russell 1000 Growth ETF, symbol IWF, and including companies in sectors such as technology, healthcare, and communication services, had according to the Wall Street Journal, returned positive 37.1%, while the iShares Russell 1000 Value ETF, symbol IWD, and including companies in sectors such as financial, real estate, energy, utility, and industrial companies had, according to the Wall Street Journal, returned positive 0.2%. This 36.9 percentage point growth minus value returns differential remains among the already historically widest such divergences in close to five decades, cited in the October, November, and December issues of our monthly commentary, and to us appears to argue for continuing the process of prudent reallocation from selected growth sectors, companies, and managers into selected value sectors, companies, and managers. As this process continues, it is worth keeping in mind that true value investing represents identifying assets that are trading for less than they are actually worth, not assets that are merely inexpensive. Many superficially inexpensive assets are inexpensive for a reason and could very well remain so or deteriorate further. 9. Fixed Income Securities Bond prices remained at extremely elevated price levels, with ultra-low yields across the maturity spectrum, having risen only modestly from their March lows, with an astounding record total of $18 trillion in global negative-yielding sovereign and some corporate debt outstanding. We affirm our predilection for issuers at the high-quality end of the rating spectrum, both in investment-grade and in high-yield bonds, in taxable bonds, and in tax-exempt bonds, where we continue to see some areas of value on a taxable equivalent basis. As we previously mentioned, we see fixed income securities price risk due to our expectation of further increases in yield levels as 2021 progresses, 
and thus we prefer maturities and durations along the short to intermediate portion of the yield curve spectrum. 10. U.S. Dollar Outlook After declining negative 7.4% in 2017, appreciating positive 4.3% in 2018, and marginally slipping negative 0.2% in 2019, the DXY U.S. Dollar Index measured versus a basket of six major currencies, the euro, Japanese yen, Swedish krona, British pound, Canadian dollar, and Swiss franc, had, as of the market close on December 31st, declined negative 5.1% for full year 2020. Following the U.S. dollar's strength in first quarter 2020 as a safe haven flight to quality asset during the pandemic and lockdown-induced global financial market turbulence earlier this year, the DXY had gained fully positive 6.7% year-to-date as of March 20th. We believe the U.S. dollar may continue on its gradual path of weakness as, due primarily to the Federal Reserve's stated preference for lower yields in the United States for the next 12 months or even longer, the U.S. dollar's income-generating advantage is likely, for the time being, to remain narrow or non-existent versus other major currencies. 11. Alternative Investments in Real Assets In alternative investments, we continue our multi-quarter focus that has for some time emphasized exposure to gold and or gold mining ETFs shares, particularly the miners, with reserves in stable geographic locations, capital discipline, and cash flow growth, high-quality master-limited partnerships with strong business models and sustainable dividend-paying capacity, select investments in private credit and private real estate, and opportunistic strategies that are positioned to selectively derive meaningful value from the dislocations created by the coronavirus pandemic and the initially strong and now oscillating recovery therefrom. This concludes our January Market Commentary by David M. Darst. David is Americana Partners' Chief Investment Officer. We are available to answer questions you may have regarding the topics discussed. If you'd like a full copy of the report, please visit our website at www.americanapartners.com and request to join our distribution list. Thank you for listening. This is Melissa Giles, Portfolio Manager with Americana Partners. Stay invested.